As we begin our lesson this evening, I am aware of two things. I am aware that there are some people who are very interested in a football game happening tonight. There are very few people in this room who care more about sports than I do. Uh, so I am very aware of that. I am also very aware that there are people in this room who have zero interest in said game. I think part of being a Michigander is that you are conditioned to not care about pro football after Christmas. Because <laughs> no game of significance has happened with our team uh, after Christmas, it seems. Um, what I want to do this evening uh, is to take a few things that we've emphasized as a church over the last three or four months and try to help us uh, bring those things together and, and really seek to apply them in a specific way. You know, sometimes if you're like me, uh, you'll hear good teaching, good preaching. And then if, if I fail, if we fail to meditate on it or to think about it later, then uh, we really don't get the benefit uh, that we could get from that lesson or from, from that sermon. Uh, a few weeks ago, as was already mentioned, Chris Anderson was here for Bible conference and then, and then for the morning and, uh, or I'm sorry, for the, then for Sunday. And the Saturday conference, if you weren't there, you can still benefit from it by some of the things we'll do this evening. But during that conference, uh, one of the things he said, and I'm paraphrasing him here, but he said something to the effect of one of the best ways to improve your corporate worship is to think when you sing, one of the best ways to improve the corporate worship of our church is to think as we sing. In his book uh, that he mentioned over the course of the weekend, he has an appendix, an appendix to the book titled uh, Tips for Singing with Understanding. And so I just printed out those tips and that's the handout for this evening. Now, if you didn't get a handout... Uh, I think my son Luke has the extra handout, so you can just raise your hand and he'll, he'll bring you a handout. Because I'm just going to guide us through this handout and seek to apply it to a couple specific hymns uh, that, that we sing. So you can just raise your hand. Luke's coming around with the handouts. Uh, so for tonight, what you'll need is just a handout, your Bible, and a hymnal. And we're going to start with the gray hymnal. So you can grab the gray hymnal. I'm going to lead us in prayer. Uh, but before I do that, you can open it to number 219. This is the hymn that we sang to start our service this evening. And we're going to seek to think about this hymn in a deeper way over the next few minutes. And then, Lord willing, with, with the time we have, we'll do the same with a, a few other hymns. So number 219 in the gray hymnal. You got your Bible ready. You got your handout. Let's pray. And then uh, we will seek to, to apply some of the things we were taught just a, a few weeks ago. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, resources and, and even individuals uh, like this book and like Chris. Uh, we pray that we would use our minds well. Father, help us to remember that, that we are your church. And so uh, the benefit of, of what our church does is, is really in a great sense up to us. How much, how much we lean in, how much we uh, devote ourselves to what we do as a church. Uh, I pray that our time this evening uh, would be well spent, that we would understand in a better way what we're singing. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So first, 
As we have this hymn in front of us, number 219, for the sake of his name. First, I think it's worth asking the, the first question in the handout. Does the hymn text quote or allude to the Bible? If so, which passages? And are they used accurately? Just by way of, of the title of this hymn, is there a passage that jumps to your mind when you see the phrase, for the sake of his name? Let's turn to 3 John. 3 John. 3 John. Now, if you were here a few weeks ago when Chris was introducing this song, uh, you probably remember him commenting on this verse as the inspiration for the title and the theme of this hymn. 3 John. Look at verses 7 and 8. Verse 7 begins, For they, and the they is referring to the brothers who are mentioned up in verse 5. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. So without even diving much more deeply into this text, we have here a specific Bible phrase that is the theme for this hymn. They have gone out for the sake of the name, the name of Jesus. So now going back to your hymnal, how else can we answer question one from this hymn? So again, we're looking for parts of the hymn, the hymn text, that either quote the Bible or allude to the Bible. Just take it maybe one stanza at a time. So stanza one, go to the world for the sake of his name. We'll pause there. What did Jesus say in Mark sixteen fifteen? He said to them, go into all the world. So there's a very clear allusion, almost a quote. Next phrase, back to your hymnal, next phrase. To every nation, his glory proclaim. This is something a little different than Mark 16, 15. Here, maybe you're thinking of Psalm 96, verse 3. Declare his glory among the nations. That's what Psalm 96, 3 says. Declare his glory among the nations. Look at the hymn text. To every nation, his glory proclaim. Not an exact quote, but, but very, very similar. Kind of a paraphrase. Keep reading in the hymn, stanza one. Pray that the spirit wise will open darkened eyes. There are texts really throughout the New Testament that speak of the need for the eyes of our hearts or the eyes of understanding to be enlightened. So maybe you've, you're familiar with 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. So there's a, a scriptural allusion. We have this truth from 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that unbelievers, their, their minds are blind to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. And so we're supposed to pray, back to the hymn, pray that the spirit wise will open darkened eyes, granting new life. The Spirit grants new life. 
This morning we were studying in Sunday school Titus 3, right? And there's a phrase in Titus 3 verse 5, the washing of regeneration. Regeneration is something like being born again, re-again, generates life. And that's the spirit, right? The washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So we're praying that the spirit will grant new life to unbelievers to display Jesus fame. So already one stanza, we've thought about three, maybe four different biblical passages. And as we sing this, not that every single passage has to come to your mind as you're singing. I know how these things work, right? But maybe you'll just remember, oh yeah, that's, that's from the Bible. That's, that's from the Bible. That's from the Bible. And maybe you even think of, of the context of the verse. Look at stanza two now. Look at stanza two. Love the unloved for the sake of his name. Like Christ, befriend those whose heads hang in shame. Jesus did not condemn, but was condemned for them. Trust gospel power, for we once were the same. Think about heads hanging in shame. Jesus did not condemn, but was condemned. Is there a a Bible passage, maybe a story from the life of Christ that's coming to your mind? I, I immediately thought of two. But one, as I looked at the two, one I think is, is maybe more directly connected. So let's turn in our Bibles to John, John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Maybe you're catching on that what we're doing right now is, is you know, seeking to apply this. And this is something that we can do on our own, right? And uh, we may even do this with some more hymns uh, this evening, depending on on our time. John 8, beginning at verse 7. We'll back up. You you know the story here, right? Verse 3 speaks of the scribes and Pharisees bringing a woman who had been caught in adultery. They place her in the midst. They say to him, teacher, this woman has been caught. Now, what do you say? End of verse 5. What do you say? It doesn't talk specifically about this woman hanging her head in shame, but I think you can assume some things. But then look at what Jesus says in verse 10. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. So as we sing, love the unloved for the sake of his name, those whose heads hang in shape, Jesus did not condemn, but was condemned for them. I think it'd be appropriate for us to think of, of this story. Because here we have words that are really taken from, uh, directly from, from this passage. And then going back to the hymn, the, the stanza ends, trust gospel power for we once were the same. How many passages in the New Testament speak of who we once were? One that we studied this morning in Sunday school, right? Titus 3. But also you can think of Ephesians 2. Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near. Or Colossians 1. You who once were alienated. So multiple times in the New Testament, we have this phrase, we once were. 
we once were. We, we once were. So as we sing stanza two, we can be reminded that not only did, did Jesus, there's a specific story of Jesus uh, not condemning, but then, then we were the ones who, who were guilty. And, and we were the ones who, whose heads were hanging in shame. Now stanza three, stanza three. See how rich this hymn is already. Stanza three, rescue the lost for the sake of his name. Jesus is the one who came to seek and to save the lost. Next phrase, stanza three. As Christ commands, snatch them out of the flame. I think this is a pretty clear biblical reference. Okay, do you know which book of the Bible or maybe even part of the book of the Bible this specific phrase is pointing us to? Jude. Jude. So turn to Jude. Turn to Jude. If you guess Jude chapter 1, you're correct. Yeah. Look at verse, verses 22 and 23 of Jude. Have mercy on those who doubt. Now verse 23. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. Thinking back to the hymn, as Christ commands, snatch them out of the flame. So again, a very clear reference to a specific Bible verse, Bible, Bible phrase. Continuing on in the, in the hymn, we're in the, we're in the middle of stanza three. Tell that when Jesus died, God's wrath was satisfied. Urge them to flee to the lamb who was slain. Now, where do we read in the Bible about God's wrath being satisfied? You, you don't have to turn there, but, but listen to Romans 5, verses 8 and 9. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So Romans 5 speaks of being saved from, from God's wrath. Now turn to Revelation chapter 7. Turn to Revelation chapter 7. Revelation 7. As we get to the fourth stanza, we're going to first read a passage from Revelation 7. And then we're going to read the fourth stanza of the hymn and just see the, the overlay of a specific passage with, with a specific stanza of a hymn. Okay, so Revelation 7, uh, you follow along as I read aloud verses 9 through 12. Revelation 7, 9 through 12. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Now remember that passage and look at stanza four. 
Look to the throne for the sake of his name. Think of the throng who will share in his reign. Some for whose souls we pray will share our joy that day. Joining our song for the sake of his name. You see the overlap between uh, that passage. And you can look at Revelation 5 as well. Some similar, similar themes, similar truths. So all we've done here is we've looked at four stanzas of, of a hymn that, that we're learning as a church and have tried to think biblically about it. Is there, you know, are there specific Bible passages or truths that the words of this hymn either quote or, or allude to? What about the chorus or what's musically more, I think, more accurate is the refrain, the refrain. Okay, look at the refrain, the chorus, any Bible passages that this chorus alludes to or quotes. So the chorus starts, the refrain starts in Jesus power, preach Christ to the lost. First Corinthians one verse 22, Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ. We preach Christ crucified. Next phrase of the, of the refrain, the chorus for Jesus glory, count all else, but loss. Is there a passage that you're thinking of here? Maybe from Philippians chapter three, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss. For the sake of Christ, indeed, I count everything as loss. About a year ago, we went through the book of Philippians and that word count is an accounting term, right? I'm, I'm considering that those things are lost. And so the refrain points directly to Philippians three and says, for Jesus glory, count all else but loss. The refrain ends gather from every place trophies of sovereign grace Lest life be wasted, exalt Jesus' cross. Now, I did not ask Chris this question, but I think, I'm guessing, that that last line, lest life be wasted, you won't find a, a biblical phrase that I think directly connects to that. But you maybe are aware of, of a book written by John Piper called Don't Waste Your Life. It's become a phrase that I think is maybe well-known in our circles of Christianity, don't waste your life. And I'm guessing that there's something of a connection there with this line. Because the book, if you've read it, it's a, it's a really good book. It's all about giving our lives for the gospel, right? Don't waste your life. So lest life be wasted, exalt Jesus' cross. So now, question two in our handouts. Question two. We've only done question one. And we're not going to make our way through the whole handout. Don't worry. Okay. But question two, what's the theme? Hopefully this is pretty simple, right? So, so church, what's the theme of the hymn? Missions. Missions, the Great Commission, right? That's the theme of the hymn. Question three, question three, what doctrinal assertions are being made? Now, to help us understand what, what the question's asking is, okay, what beliefs, what beliefs is this hymn putting before us? And then the Question three continues, are they clear, accurate, are they consistent with scripture? So here I want you to think, and I'm going to ask you for some interaction here, okay? I want you to think beyond the, the main theme of the Great Commission, beyond that, in addition to that, what are some other doctrinal truths 
that are at least touched on. They don't have to be directly, explicitly communicated, but there's a reference to this, or there's a reference to this. Now, when you think of doctrine, it's okay to think of like the large categories of theology, right? So what does it say about God? What does it say about Jesus? What does it say about the Holy Spirit? What does it say about people and, and sin? What does it say about how a person is saved? What does it say about the church? What does it say about the future? And you can go on. So think of those big categories. Look back at the hymn. And I'm going to give you 60 seconds to share with someone near you just one, just one doctrinal truth, assertion, one statement, one reality that we believe that, that comes out somewhere in this hymn. So beyond the Great Commission, what's something else this hymn says about what we believe. 60 seconds, share it with someone next to you. I think our time is about up. Okay, so here I'm going to ask you to share. Uh, You can either share what you found or you can share what the person next to you found. That's a little less less nerve-wracking, right? All right. So somebody just raise your hand. What did you or the person next to you find in this hymn that is a, a truth, a doctrine that this hymn touches on? Yes, sir. There's, I'm sorry. Yes, I'm guessing what, well, I don't know if there's a specific line you're thinking of or just for the sake of his name. Yeah. Yeah. So no other name under heaven, right? There's only one name for the sake of his name. He is, the, he is the only one who, who can save us. He is the king overall. Good. Thank you. Somebody else. Yes. Great. Great. So why tell the world about Jesus? So that God can receive more glory. It's all about his fame, his name. Good. Good. Yes, sir. evangelism right right we evangelize uh yes to rescue people from eternal punishment apart from from god but but more than that for for his name right and and god commands us to go good anybody else anybody else yes the power of evangelism is in the gospel Mm -hmm. yeah right so yeah i won't speak a whole lesson on that but yes yes good 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 uh one more anybody else yeah. Absolutely. So this actually, there's a theme of prayer throughout this, this hymn. It's not the dominant theme, but the prayer is because we're dependent on the spirit to do the work, right? So there's a massive theological truths in there. We can't change anyone's heart. God is the one who regenerates. And so we pray that the Holy Spirit would open darkened eyes. Yeah, that's a powerful doctrinal assertion throughout this hymn in fact the theme of prayer shows up in the first stanza and then again in the last stanza do you notice this so stanza one right in the middle pray that the spirit wise and then stanza four right in the middle some for whose souls we pray so it's about the great commission and it's about all these different aspects of the great commission including including prayer Great, great. Let's keep going to the next question in our handout. Next question. Does the hymn progress from stanza to stanza? How? I'm not going to read the rest of the question for you. 
But let me just lay out one way that it progresses. Okay. It advances somewhat through, through the Bible. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Let me show you what I mean. Okay. So stanza one is kind of just introductory. Great commission. It touches on some Old Testament. Psalm 96.3 is, is quoted or alluded to. But the second stanza speaks of a specific part of the Bible in the Gospels. Jesus Christ. The way he treated the, the woman caught in adultery. You could expand that to the way he treated the Samaritan woman. Okay, but it's clearly like, look to Jesus as our example. Look to what he did when he was on the earth. So the Gospels. Then stanza three, we already saw, references what, what book of the Bible? Jude, later on, epistle. Okay, and if you think about God's wrath being satisfied as Romans. Again, that's, late, that's an epistle. So you have Gospels, stanza two. Epistles, stanza three. And then what stands for? What passage? Yeah, Revelation, right? So there's, a, there's something of a progression through the New Testament, you might say. Now, again, I didn't interview Chris about this hymn and like ask him all these questions. But it's right for us to, to glean this from the hymn and say, look at, look at this progression. Uh, there are other questions here, and I have answers written down. I'm going to see if there's any I want to, I want to draw out tonight. Yes, okay, so question five. Question five, what's the purpose of the song's refrain or bridge if it has one? Does it apply the truths of the stanzas? Does it respond? This one I think clearly applies. Notice in the refrain, so look at the refrain, the stanza. Do you see all the commands? I counted four verbs that were direct commands, like imperatives, okay? So look at the refrain. First you have preach. Then you have count. Then you have gather. Then you have exalt. This is a hymn that we would use to obey the command to teach and admonish one another. The Bible calls us to teach and admonish one another. So when we sing this, we're actually telling the people around us what to do. Maybe you didn't think about singing that way, but that's one purpose of singing. The New Testament says we are to teach and admonish one another in song. There are some songs that we sing to God, right? They're they're prayers. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you. Teach us, Lord. Those are prayers. Those are other other hymns that we sing that are are directed to God. This one is clearly directed to each other. Like when we sing the refrain, which we'll sing again as we close here in just a minute, we're going to be commanding each other to do four things and that's a good thing that is a good thing we need this this is one of the reasons the church is called to gather right to stir up one another don't forsake assembling because we stir up one another to love and good works what kind of a better work is there than the work of evangelism the work of work of missions i'm going to do one more thing with a different hymn it's not going to be nearly as long okay but in the in the same hymnal Let's turn to number 64, 64. This one, I'm going to ask you to, to speak up a little bit more, but the, I think the answers are going to be even easier. Okay. 64. This is a song that Lord willing will sing next Sunday morning. The hymn is how firm a foundation. Hymn number 64. We'll quickly look at uh, some Bible passages that are directly quoted in this hymn, and then uh, I will close this in prayer, and then we'll sing, uh, for the sake of his name, 
to, to close our service. All right. So how firm a foundation. You probably know this hymn. We sing it often. We'll, we'll sing it again, Lord willing, next week. Something unusual in our hymnal at the beginning of the four stanzas. Well, there's something that occurs at the beginning of stanzas two, three, and four that doesn't occur at the beginning of stanza one. It's a punctuation mark. Punctuation is important. Do you see it? Now, why would the quotes be stanzas two, three, and four, but not one? Well, let's look. Let's look at the text. How firm a foundation, this is stanza one, ye saints of the Lord is laid for your faith in his excellent word. Okay, so we have God's word, firm foundation. What more can he say than to you he has said? Like, is there anything more God, God could have said or needed to say? To you who for refuge to Jesus have fled. So if you've come to God through Jesus, if you fled for refuge to Jesus and, and you have God's word, you have all he wants you to have. You have everything you need. What more could he say? Then stanzas two, three, and four are directly connected to specific passages. That's why they, they start in quotes because God is the one who, who has said this. So stanza two Fear not. Now, which Bible passage would this be? There are a lot of Bible passages that have that, that theme, right? Fear not. Which one is this? If you're looking up at the title of the hymn, it will help you. So turn to Isaiah 41. Turn to Isaiah 41. This is amazing. Amazing hymn writing. Isaiah 41. Would somebody read aloud for us Isaiah 41, verse 10? You could use your Bible, or you could read it there at the top of the hymnal, uh, hymn page. Who would read? Jacob, thank you. Isaiah 41, 10. As he reads it, maybe you'll scan stanza 2. Normally we want to follow the Bible as it's being read, but right now you're, you're welcome to scan stanza 2 as Jacob reads Isaiah 41, verse 10. Go ahead. Thank you, Jacob. Do you see how stanza two is really just a, a versification, a rephrasing of Isaiah 41.10? Now in your Bibles, go forward a couple chapters to Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. Would somebody read for us Isaiah 43 verse 2? And now you're welcome to scan the third stanza of this hymn. So stanza three of the hymn, as somebody reads aloud, Isaiah 43, verse two. Who would read that for it? Mike, thank you. Stanza three speaks of fiery trials. Right? The second half of Isaiah 43 2 speak of fire. Speaks of fire. The flame shall not consume you. Look at this third line of stanza three. The flame shall not hurt you. And then even the last line of that stanza. Your dross to consume, your gold to refine. Right? You can think of 1 Peter 1 7. 
more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. And then finally, stanza four, what passage would this be referring to? Stanza four of how firm a foundation. The soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose. There's an image there of, I believe, at the Last Supper when John leans against the the side of Jesus. I will not, next line, I will not, I will not desert to its foes. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ. Next line, stanza four, third line. That soul, though all hell, should endeavor to shake. I believe a reference to Luke twenty-two thirty-one, when Jesus says to Peter, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you or shake you like wheat. Though all hell should endeavor to sift or shake. I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you, which is actually a quote from the Old Testament, from Deuteronomy 31, as well as from Joshua. So that hymn, there's parts of it that are pretty much straight quotes from the Bible. Most of it references specific passages. That handout maybe will serve you in the days, weeks, months to come. Maybe part of your own study of the word of God will be to take Perhaps a favorite hymn of yours and to start asking and answering those questions of of the hymns that you enjoy. I understand that when we come together on a Sunday morning as we're singing, we're not asking these 10 questions of every phrase we're singing. I understand that. But it is good and helpful for us to think about what we're singing. Our corporate worship will improve the more that we think as we sing. And maybe these tips from from Chris will help us in that. I will lead us in prayer. And then Pedro and Swami, if you'll come and we'll sing. Maybe we'll just sing the first and last of, of For the Sake of His Name as we close. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. And thank you for uh, this opportunity to look at your word and look at songs we sing. And to be edified uh, by, by good hymn writers, by good songs, good hymns. We pray that we would um, be good stewards by by thinking of of what we sing. Father, we pray now as we enter into this week that we would go into our neighborhoods for the sake of your name. We'd go into our workplaces for the sake of your name. That we would exalt Jesus' cross. That we would preach to those who are lost. That we would count all else as lost. That we would gather from every place more trophies of your grace. Help us to do this so so your glory will be seen by more people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For that uh, explanation on that hymn, uh, I know Chris Anderson walked us through another hymn, and uh, it was a real powerful moment to be able to sing um, after we, he had uh, taught us the, uh, the basis for that hymn. So I trust that as we wrap up this evening, this uh, opportunity will have even more impact upon you.